Hello, good morning. I know you lost an hour, but time to wake up. How many of you are here for the nine o'clock service? Anybody? (laughs) Well, you've caught us right in the middle of a series where we are talking about the laws of God, but not like you might think. We're talking about laws kind of through a different lens, kind of in a different way. We're talking about how God is organized. You know God is an organized God. Everything is finely tuned. Look at this. Did you know that our earth, which is tilted on an axis, if it were to turn one degree one way, we would burn up, or if it were to go one degree the other way, we would freeze up. It's at the exact angle to sustain human life. God has established the universe around certain natural, physical, and spiritual laws. There are laws of physics. There are laws of mathematics. There are laws of chemistry. We also know there are spiritual laws. Now, we get the laws of nature by looking at God's creation. And we get God's spiritual laws from looking at his word. We get them from looking at the Bible. The amazing thing is we don't have to understand these laws to benefit from them. In other words, we don't have to understand why God does what he does. We just have to cooperate with it. We've just got to get on board. If we do, we're going to benefit, whether we understand the law or not. For for instance, I don't understand the law of magnetism. I don't. I could go study it if I wanted to, but I just haven't chosen to, and I don't understand it. But that doesn't stop me from using a compass when I get lost. You know, I don't understand the law of gravity Nobody understands that one. Even Einstein said, nobody understands the law of gravity. It just doesn't make sense because when something is spinning around, does that usually draw things to it or does it repel them? I mean, the earth is spinning around and it seems like we should be being flung off. Instead, we're being held down. It doesn't make sense. No scientist has ever given a full explanation of gravity. We're still studying it. But hey, I am sure glad the law of gravity is consistent. I'm glad it always works. And that's the way God's laws are. They're always true. They always work. You can count on them. All that to say is we're in this series where we're looking at God's laws of money. And this is part three of a series we're calling Financial Fitness. And I would say our big idea for this series is that money is spiritual. Would you write that in just the top of your outline real big? Money is spiritual. That's the lens we're going to be looking at money through. God, our money has some spirit on it. It either has God's spirit or the world's. It either lines up with the economy of God or it doesn't. And whatever spirit is on our money affects what our money does. And this is a big thought because... As a culture, we've got the idea that money is just math. So we do whatever we got to do and we say we, whatever we got to say to get the math work and to make it look good on paper. We even score each other. We give each other points to make it all work on math and look, make it all look good and work on paper. But when we do that, when we think money is just math, we're missing out on a larger picture that's being taken, that money is spiritual. And what we do with our money echoes into eternity. So there are all these kinds of laws, spiritual laws, in God's word about money. 
Laws of spending, laws of saving, laws of investing, laws of insuring, laws of giving. There are all kinds of laws about money that if you do these things, you're going to benefit from them, whether you understand them or not. So this week, we're going to look at a third foundational law of money management, and it's called the law of sowing and reaping. Proverbs eleven eighteen. Let's look at that together. The wicked man earns deceptive wages, but he who sows righteously will be certain to reap a reward. So there are dishonest ways to make money, and there's an honest way to make money. And he says, if you sow honestly, you're going to reap a reward. What's he talking about? He's talking about the law of sowing and reaping. For thousands of years, the only way people did far- farming is what we call sowing. They didn't take a single seed, dig a hole, put it in, cover it up. Take a single seed, dig a hole, put it in, cover it up over and over again. They certainly didn't have any, way, any big machines to automatically sow and automatically put the seed in the ground. For thousands of years, people would wear a little knapsack filled with grain or corn or seed or whatever. And then as the farmer would walk through the field, he would sow, which means he'd grab a handful of the seed and throw it. This is called broadcasting. This is a term, how we get the term television broadcasting. You're broadcasting it over a large area instead of like a, a narrow target or a specific target. And the principle is, whatever you sow, you will reap because some of the seeds hit the bird, the birds eat, some of it lands on the rock, some of it actually gets planted and begins to grow. And whatever you sow, you will reap. So I've got nine laws of sowing and reaping. Get your bulletin. If you don't have one, run, get one real quick. Get you a pen. We're purpose-driven note-takers. We're going to write a lot today. And the first principle, the first law, is everything starts as a seed. Everything starts as a seed. Every idea is a seed. Every dream is a seed. Every achievement is a seed. Every building that's built, first it was a seed thought, a seed idea. Your life began as a seed. Everything starts on this planet as a seed. God created the world around what he calls the seed principle. In the very first chapter of the Bible, God calls this to our attention. It says, let the land have seed-bearing plants and trees that bear fruit with seed in it according to their varieties. You know, God is omnipotent. He has all the potential. He has all the power. Everybody's heard the old cliche that anybody can count the seeds in an apple, but only God knows the number of apples in a seed because a seed has exponential potential. You take one seed... You plant it in the ground, that seed grows into a giant tree, which produces fruit. It has other seeds, which creates more trees and more trees. And over thousands of years, you can have entire forests of hundreds of thousands of acres of trees. And it all started with one seed. In the book of Zephaniah, you find the phrase, Do not despise the day of small things. Why? Because everything starts small. It starts as a seed. Has anyone in here been to Redwood Country in Northern California? Anybody? Man, I want to go. I want to see this place. The largest living thing on the planet is in Humboldt County. It's a redwood tree 
that is 380 feet tall. They're enormous. Yet, if you've ever seen a redwood seed, they're dinky. I mean, that's the exponential potential in every seed. Everything starts with a seed idea, a seed thought, a seed dream. Job 8, 7, that what you start will seem small and insignificant. You'll end up in the future with much. Number two, nothing happens until that seed is planted. Nothing happens until a seed is planted. Imagine with me a farmer going out and spending his life savings to buy a bunch of seed. You know, he's got it all in his barn, and he gets ready. It's springtime. He gets ready to go plant this barn full of seed, and he looks out on his barren field, and he says, Ah, I don't think I'm going to plant this seed. All of my life savings are tied up in this seed. I don't know if I should plant it. I think I'm just going to play it safe because if I plant it, I might lose my life savings. So I'm just, I'm not going to plant it. I'm going to play it safe. We would call that farmer a fool because seed is worthless until it is planted. You've got to put it in the ground. Now here's the farmer and, and he might be like some of us who are out of work, whose finances are barren. He has a barren field. And what does a farmer do when he's got a barren field? producing no income. He doesn't complain about it. He doesn't say, oh, the economy is so bad. I'm just not making any money. I'll tell you, he even doesn't just pray about it. He's got to do something. He's got to go out and he's got to plant the seed because nothing is going to happen until he plants the seed. You know, if you don't ever plant, all the prayer in the world isn't going to produce fruit. Some of us think we're waiting on God. We think we're waiting on God for that job. We think we're waiting on God for that person to finally hear the gospel. We think we're waiting for God for income. And God says, you're waiting on me? Hey, buddy, I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you to plant some seed. Now, you might be in a situation where, where you're praying and, or you're waiting for your wife to fall back in love with you. And God's saying, stop waiting plant some seed, take her out on a date, put on a shirt with buttons on it and take her to a place where you don't order off a menu board and take her on a date and plant some seed. It's not going to happen until you plant some seed. Everything in life starts as a seed, a relationship, a marriage, a business, a a church. Everything starts as a seed and nothing, nothing is going to happen until the seed is planted. Why did, why did God set it up like this? What's going on here? Why did he do this? Because planting is an act of faith. I take what I've got and I give it away. I put it in the ground. I bury it. And Jesus explained this principle when he was trying to explain why he came to die on the cross. John twelve twenty four. Unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground... It cannot reproduce unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground. So he's talking about his own death. It cannot reproduce. But if it dies, it will produce much fruit. He said, I'm going to plant a seed and the seed is going to be my life. And many will be saved and many will get to go to heaven because of my death and my burial. Here's the principle. Whenever I have a need, 
I plant a seed. I don't know what you need. It might be more time, more energy, more money, more wisdom. But you're not going to get any more until you plant what you have, until you plant that seed. Let's jump to number three. Whatever I sow is what I will reap. We all know this. Whatever I sow is what I will reap. This is a law of reproduction. If a farmer goes out and he's got a trailer load of beans, and what should he expect to bear after he plants it in the ground? Candy canes? Hamburgers? Horses? I mean, you might think I'm being ridiculous, but how many times do we see people do the same thing over and over again and expect something different to happen? You know, they go out and plant beans, and they're expecting candy canes. You know, I love, I love watching America's Funniest Home Videos because how many times do we see someone doing something and it's like, that has never worked for anyone in the history of existence. Why did you think that was going to work for you? You can't hold a pinata at arm's length and expect... Anyway. <laughs> Throughout all of history, that's yielded one result. You know, there's a phrase that's repeated over and over again in the book of Genesis. It's the phrase where God says, each is to reproduce after its own kind. In other, way, in other words, tomatoes, tomato plants have tomatoes. Cows produce baby cows. Chickens produce baby chickens. Human beings produce baby humans. Because in God's economy, we reproduce after our own kind. We reap in the same kind as we sow. And this can work this is what's tricky about this. This, is, can work, this can work either positively or negatively in your life. Galatians 6, 7 says, Do not deceive yourselves. No one makes a fool of God. You will reap exactly what you plant in life. Whatever I dish out in life is what I'm going to get back. Whatever goes around comes around. If I'm, going to, if I'm out planting seeds of kindness, people are going to be kind to me. If I cut people some slack, they're going to cut me some slack. If I'm forgiving of others, they're going to forgive me. If I'm generous with other people, they're going to be generous with me. But this also works in the opposite way. The negative is also true. If I'm critical, then people are going to criticize me. If I'm judgmental, people are going to judge me. If I cheat other people, people are going to cheat me. If I gossip about other people, they're going to gossip about me. Proverbs twenty six twenty seven says, He who digs a pit, in other words, to hurt somebody else, will fall into it himself. He who rolls a stone will have it rolled back on him. Hosea 10.13, you planted wickedness, and now you have reaped evil. There's also a story in the book of Esther. There's a guy named Haman. And Haman was an anti-Semite. He wanted all the Jews in Persia killed. And he particularly hated a guy named Mordecai. So he had these gallows built to have Mordecai hung. But guess who gets hung on his own gallows? Haman. We see this all throughout the Bible. You sow a thought, you reap an act. You sow an act, you reap a habit. You sow a habit, you reap your character. You sow your character, and you reap a destiny. Whatever you give out, you're going to get back. And he might ask, well, how do I earn trust? Or something like that. Well, you do it by trusting others. might say, well, how do I get people to like me? Well, you genuinely like other people. When you talk with them, you don't treat them like projects. 
you really listen to them, you really care about them, you genuinely like them, and they're going to genuinely like you back. Because whatever you give out, that's what you're going to get back. Now here's the fourth principle. This one might surprise you. I'm not the only sower. What that means is you are reaping both good and bad from what other people around you are sowing. There are people who are beside you, people in your family. There are people who came before you, and they have been sowing. You know, for instance, uh, you enjoy many things that you didn't pay for and you didn't work for. You know, we're all coming here and meeting in freedom today. America's, we live in a free country, and most of us didn't risk our lives for that. There were other people who fought and died in wars over 250 years to preserve our freedom, and we're reaping what they're sowing. A lot of us drove to church today in a car we didn't design, on a road we didn't put in, and we're reaping what other people have sowed. But this is also true in the opposite way. You have been hurt by what other people have sowed around you. Some of you grew up in families where there was a history of abuse, and you need to say, it's stopping here. I'm breaking the chain. I'm not going any further. Some of you grew up in families where there were multi-generations of alcohol, and you need to say, it's stopping right here. I'm not passing this on to the next generation. Some of you grew up in homes where, over the past multiple generations, it was divorce, 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 divorce. And you've got to say, I can't control the past, but I can control what happens from this point forward, and I'm starting a new legacy. What I'm saying is everything you do has consequences, not just for you, not just for your peers, not just for your partners, but for the next generation. Because you're reaping both the positive and negative of the generations that came before you. I'll be the first to tell you, I am living off the good fortune of my parents and grandparents. You know, my grandparents have been married over 63 years. I play music because of them, because of the genes I got from them, because of their support, their encouragement. I'm a product of my parents constantly setting me straight. I mean, I'll tell you, I'm not prideful. That's, that's just the way it is. And you might say, well, I wish I had a heritage like that. Well, you start it. You say, starting today, my clan, my tribe, my name, our family, we're going God's way. We're doing this. You know, I'm going to make a change so that future generations can be blessed. you got to be that person. You can't change the past, but you can take hold of the future by how you make choices today. And we hear so often this statement, but we can't make the stupid statement, it's my life, I can do whatever I want with it. Sorry, it's not just yours. You're a part of something called the human race, and what you do affects other people. Jesus talked about this. He told it to the disciples in John 4, 38. I sent you to reap where you did not plant. Others have already done work before you, and you will gather the harvest. And number five, write this in. I always reap in a different season from when I sow. I reap in a different season from when I sow. No farmer goes out, plants his seed, comes back an hour later, digs it up to see if it's grown. You just got to let it be. You've got to let it be covered up. You've got to let it grow. There's no such thing as instant maturity. There's no such thing as 
instant success. I think the term overnight success is so funny. There might be overnight fame, and it's not overnight success. Most people are an overnight success after working at it for 20 years. Somebody may be serving or practicing in years of obscurity. Then all of a sudden, they're instantly famous, but they didn't get there overnight because it takes time to grow in wisdom. It takes time to gather. It takes time to build skills. It's going to take time. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. Your life and your finances are going to ripen a little bit at a time. Have you ever heard someone say, I tried to get a job this week, but there's just nothing out there. It may take a little bit of time. God's gifts don't come from a slot machine. Okay, God's power isn't in an energy drink. His will for your life isn't going to come in a text message. We serve Him. He doesn't serve us. You know, there's always a season between when I sow and when I reap. I, I love how Dave Ramsey puts it. He says, I sow crockpots, not microwaves. You know, while that seed is hidden in the ground, it's slowly germinating. And then one day, it's going to burst. And when that seed bursts, life is going to start growing and growing. And one day, a little shoot is going to stick up out of the ground, and you'll know it's working. This is working. But it's not instant. You're not going to have instant fulfillment. Number six, I always reap more than I sow. This is always true, for good or bad. I reap more than I sow. This is the principle of multiplication. If I take one kernel of corn and put that kernel of corn in the ground, do I get a kernel of corn back? No, I get a corn stalk, and on that corn stalk, I get multiple ears, and on each one of those ears, I get hundreds of kernels. This is the exponential power of the seed principle. And God has established the universe to handle this principle. In the parable of the soils, Jesus points out some seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, and even 100 times. He's saying not all the plants, not all your plants will bear the same amount of fruit. Some are 30-fold, some are 60-fold, some are 100-fold. But it's always more than you sow. You know why? Have you ever wondered, why, does God, why did God set up like this? Why do I have more than I need? A lot of us, we have more than we need. It takes a certain amount to raise a family and, and to, to live, but we have more than we need to do that. But you know why God wants you to build wealth? Some say God wants everybody to be wealthy. Well, if you just leave it at that, that's a prosperity gospel. Some people say God wants everybody to be poor. Well, if you just leave it at that, that's a poverty gospel. It's just as wrong, just as useless. But God wants you to sow and then reap more than you need so that you can make a difference. It's not so you can create more need. It's not so you can just create more square footage. He wants you to have some margin so you can make a difference, so you can change your family tree, so you can be generous, so you can solve a problem, so you can serve the kingdom. He gave you more time than you need so you can make a difference. He gave you more grace than you need so you could be gracious with others. And number seven, 
This kind of goes hand in hand. I increase my harvest by planting more seed. I, I can increase my harvest by planting more seed. Yes, I reap more than I sow, but it's still in proportion to what I sowed. If I sow a bunch of seed, I'm going to get a whole bunch of crop. If I sow a little bit of seed, I'm going to get less crop. If I sow no seed, guess what? No crop. This is true in giving and tithing. It's true in talent. It's true in intelligence. It's true in every area of our life. I can increase my harvest by planting more seed. 2 Corinthians 9 says this, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. In other words, it's in proportion. Each one should give what he has decided in his heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. This particular passage happens to be talking about money as a seed, but it's more than just money. Here he's talking about money specifically, and he's basically saying there is no way you could outgive God. What is a seed? A seed is anything that I value and then give away. If I give wisdom away, then I get more wisdom back. If I give love away, I'm going to get more love back. If I give my energy away, I'm going to get more energy back. If I give money away, God will make sure I get something even more valuable than money back. Here's the general principle. Proverbs 11.24, I love the message paraphrase of this. The world of the generous gets larger and larger, but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Isn't that true? Number eight, it's time to start planning now. It's time to start planning now. I hear people all the time, one of these days I'm going to, I'm going to really serve the Lord. I'm going to go on a mission trip. When I retire one day, when I get more money, I'm going to start giving. Or when this happens, then I'm going to. One of these days is none of these days. The sooner you plant, the longer you're going to have the harvest in the rest of your life. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 11, those who wait for perfect weather will never plant seeds. And those who look at every cloud will never reap a harvest. Ecclesiastes 11.6, do your planning in the morning and in the evening too. You never know whether it will all grow well or whether one planting will do better than the other. We should be planting all the time, everywhere we go. Every day, think, what seeds am I going to plant today? What seeds of love? What seeds of grace? What seeds of money? What seeds of energy? What seeds of wisdom? How can I plant in other people's lives today? 2 Corinthians 9.10, For God who supplies seed to the farmer, He provides all of it. And bread to eat will give you more and more seed to plant, and it will make it grow, and will make it grow so you can give away more and more fruit from your harvest. And we need to start seeing the valuable things in our lives as seeds. We need to start thinking of our words as seeds. When you say words, you plant them into the minds of your children. You plant them into the minds of your friends. You plant them into the minds of your spouse. And they are going to grow and they're going to bear fruit. 
You know, I have very, very fond memories of playing sports as a kid. Just playing sports as a kid. And maybe your memory is much better than mine. Maybe you're more competitive than I am. But I don't remember any of the wins or losses. I don't remember any of the records. I don't remember any of that. What I remember from playing sports is what my parents said to me on the ride home. I remember the words my coaches said. That's what I remember. Now, I remember that when we would drive home, my parents never said anything about the coach or the ref or another player or another parent behind their back. I remember how they responded to different situations. I remember when the ref would make a bad call on me, and when most parents would have freaked out on the ref, my dad would look at me and say, take it like a man. That's the stuff I remember. So let me ask you, do you view your words as seeds? You know, I have to regularly ask myself, am I sowing seeds of trust or distrust when I speak? You know, why is that important? Because I will reap what I sow. I will reap what I say. God says that every time we share our faith with an unbeliever, he's planting a seed. He's planting a seed in all the words we say. There are many, many scriptures that talk about the fact that the more I talk to other people about Jesus, the more seeds I'm planting and the more harvest I'm going to have. 1 Corinthians 9.11, reaping a material harvest is appropriate if we have spiritual seed among you. He's making the point that I'm going to reap a benefit from talking to other people about the Lord. Now there's one more principle. Write this in. To reap the harvest, I must be patient and not give up. I must be patient and not give up. The principle we're talking about today is a kingdom principle. It's one of the principles that the kingdom of God is operating on. Jesus said it like this, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he's sleeping or he gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he doesn't know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. He's saying the results are going to come, but they're going to come slowly. They're going to come systematically. They're going to come as a process. Because it takes time, we must not become tired of doing good. We will reap a harvest at the right time if we do not give up. Circle the word will. We will reap a harvest. It's a promise. Not we might, not we shall, not we're a hoping and a wishing and a praying. We will reap a harvest if we do not give up. You've got to hang on, and while you're waiting, God is working. We've got to forget about last year's crop failure. You know, we've had many years of crop failure in our life, but we can't do anything about those. You you have wasted years, so have I. We've wasted words. We've wasted money. We've wasted relationship. And we can't do anything about the crop failures in the past. We're going to have to learn to live with the consequences of our failures, but what we have to do is we've got to start focusing on the long-term harvest, not the short-term pleasure. None of us got the way we are financially overnight. It might have taken you years to mess it up, and it's going to take a little while to get it undone. 
And maybe for some of you, your finances are in such a mess that it's brought tears to your eyes. And maybe you've sat across the table from your spouse. And with tears welling up in your eyes, you've thought, how are we going to make this work? And I'd encourage you with Psalm 126. Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. Yes, they weep as they go out to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. So I ask you, what loss are you grieving? What have you been grieving over? Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe you've lost your savings. Maybe you've lost your dream. Maybe you've lost your marriage or your health. You've got to plant some seeds. You've got to take God's laws and you've got to put them to work because they will work even if we don't understand them. They will work. We can rely on the promises of God. Let's pray together. Now just pray this with me in your heart. Heavenly Father, thank you for being a consistent God. Thank you for your promises that we can depend on them. We look to you today for help with money, for help with contentment, for help with knowing where to sow. And I realize today that whatever I sow is what I will reap. And I've often sowed one thing and wanted to reap the opposite. Help me to realize it's not about me, that what I sow, other generations will reap. Forgive me for the times that I've been in a hurry. Help me to know that you are working. Help me to realize that I can increase my harvest by planting more seed. Lord, I want to learn to be financially generous more every year of my life. I don't want to be stingy. I want to be generous. Help me to realize that while I'm waiting, that your promises are working. Help me to be patient and not give up, to claim the promise that we must not become tired of doing good, but we will reap a harvest at the right time if we do not give up. And Jesus, I need you to be the manager of my life with finances and everything else. I want to love you and trust you, and I want to obey your laws even when I don't understand them. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.